Hello and welcome to the 36th episode of the Pony Hatcast. I'm your host Sam, also known as Lucky O'Brien on Twitch, and we are joined today by our co-hosts, fellow Moon Miners, Barry. Hello. Isaiah is still trapped in New Zealand, so we'll be recording a few episodes without him for the foreseeable future. He will be back soon, though, so look forward to that. Today's episode is on getting to know oneself, Moon. Our email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Once again, the email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Please send us any questions or comments as well as any requests for movies for us to watch. Moon was released on July 2009 in the US. It was directed by Duncan Jones. The screenplay was written by Duncan Jones and Nathan Parker. It stars Sam Rockwell, Kevin Spacey, Dominique McElliott, and many more. Currently as of this podcast, it has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 90% for critics and 89% for the audience. Astronaut Sam Bell has a quintessentially personal encounter toward the end of his three-year stint on the moon, where he, working alongside his computer Gertie, sends back to Earth parcels of a resource that has helped diminish our planet's power problems. Without further ado, episode 36 on Moon. Barry, take us away. Moon is a fantastic, simple, fairly straightforward science fiction film. I wish very much that we had more films like this made. It was made for almost no money. Well, I say almost no money. It was The budget was $5 million, which is crazy low considering how much they accomplished, I think. It probably helps that there was, there's a cast of, like, two people <laughs> sam rockwell and also sam rockwell and yeah sam sam and sam yeah 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 and uh spoilers <laughs> spoilers no we were we didn't get any spoilers i don't know what you're talking about there's just two of them for some reason yeah and kevin spacey oh yes kevin as, spacey as a creepy robot as opposed to a an actual creepy person <laughs> yeah didn't that age well didn't that age well <laughs> Oh, Benedict Wong is in this. He's the the random uh, corporate guy. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Good old Benedict Wong. It's a simple film. It's contemplative. It's definitely a little bit slow. If you're expecting an exciting sci-fi action drama, this is not that film, for sure. It's about the character. It's about you know questioning. Humanity, all the interesting themes they run, and all the questions therein. It's about, there's a little bit of mystery. It's not, you know, it's not uh, very mysterious, but it's an interesting, compelling film. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I thought it was a really good movie, well made. Uh, it really focuses on, like you said, one character, Sam Rockwell. And because of this, then you can see this person develop in the movie and get to know them and be able to relate to them i think sam rockwell does a fantastic job and you know we're not gonna go into spoilers right away as to why i think his performance is amazing uh but we'll get into that a little bit later also i think the movie is pretty funny it's a black comedy it kind of makes jokes about a lot of serious stuff a lot of the humor is, is pretty unexpected because yeah. the film is overall kind of sad. It, it's very sad, yeah. But there are some really funny moments. There's some really funny moments and like you, you don't expect that. And if I were to classify this movie, it would be kind of like a, a black comedy, a dark comedy. 
but yeah, I, I liked how it, like, true to sci-fi, I feel like nowadays, sci-fi doesn't address anything anymore, like, that matters. Sci-fi was made to, you know, kind of look at issues that we have today, whether you think they're real or not, doesn't matter, and then project it into the future to kind of exaggerate it, and then show what the world would be like if we don't fix these problems. And I think it, it's kind of, I think it's relatable to what's happening today where there's just like the inhumanity of capitalism sometimes. I'm a hardcore capitalist, all right? But like the, there's a lot of negative things to it, like sweatshops, people being basically slave labor now. You're putting short-term profit at the expense of lives. You're putting that first at the expense of lives, at the expense of human lives. And I think that kind of tackles that issue and shows it kind of well. Like sci-fi kind of turned into science fantasy where it's about, you know, spaceships and laser weapons and everything. And it doesn't really tackle anything more than that just for entertainment now. So I, I was, it was refreshing to see a movie where it had a lot going for it. Like you could watch it on that level if you wanted to. And if you didn't, you can still be fairly entertained by what you saw. That said, I thought it was very sad too. Man, man, I want to talk about the ending. But we'll save that for a bit. I highly enjoyed it. It's not scary at all. I thought it was going to be scary. You also see Sam Rockwell's butt. So some great butt. So that's, that's <laughs> yeah. a very nice man butt. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that's it. Back to you, Barry. Yeah. So I guess we can break into spoilers here. This movie's been out for nearly 10 years now, right? I can't believe how cheaply they made this film for. $5 million, gosh. I mean, it's basically just one set. But... Yeah, to be honest, there's some uh, props that look really cheap. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, yeah. You know, you get it. It's, it's a movie. It's fine. Don't nitpick this film because there's, there's a lot of stuff that does not make sense logically what people would call plot holes, but are just, you gotta just have to accept the core premise of the film and move on. And I'll, I'll probably spend a good 15 minutes griping over them <laughs> <laughs> just because there are things that I'd notice and I have to get off my chest. But if you can accept the core premise of the film, then just move past these little, these little nitpicks. And it's, it's just so wonderful. So spoilers, Sam Rockwell's a clone. Mm-hmm. And they don't, they don't, there's no dumb moment when the two clones look at each other and they're like, oh my god, yeah. you know, they just expect the audience to understand it without having to just hold your hand too much. It's not super subtle, but it's also not taking a big flashing light and slapping you across the face like, oh my god, they're clones, clones. Ah, <laughs> on Saturday. You know, there's no big moment like that. It's just subtle, and there's lots of interesting nuance in the performance. Yes. And it feels really, really grounded, you know? If you came across a clone of yourself, you'd just be like, oh, this is... I don't even know how to process this. Yeah, and they're in denial, too, where they're like, you're the clone. No, you're the clone. <laughs> it's not even that. They're, they're just like, well, no, I'm not a, I'm not a clone, man. That's it. It's not. Yeah. It's not overwrought. It's not overacted. There's there's lots of nice 
it's just it's just keeping it simple you know they accept it they accept it right away because there's no other thing to do it's just the two of them on this moon base and sam rockwell has been up there for three years the original one and he's like super lonely and the fresh clone is super aggro (laughs) yeah oh i love this i love to see the differences in their personality because he's more mellowed out with time and for sam rockwell to portray that so effectively yeah, there's, just, there's lots of yeah. similarities in how they nuances the performance, and then there's little things in, you know, his posture, his delivery, every little thing. It's, it's, it's great. And it's filmed very convincingly. Like, you buy the fact that there's two people on the screen pretty quickly, and you just stop questioning it after a while. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really hard to sell that. Because there's other films that very famously use the same actor for multiple characters. <laughs> uh, most of them are comedies. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, Mike Myers and Austin Powers. Uh, there's Eddie Murphy, I think, did a film like that. Will Smith and Gemini Man. Yeah, Will Smith. You never forget the fact that it's one actor playing two people. But in this film, it feels really natural. They, they pull it off very well. You you really feel for them. You sympathize for both characters, and at the end, it's a real gut punch. It is. That's a real gut punch. You want to talk about that that a little bit, Sam? Oh yeah, sure. So I mean, we're gonna talk about other stuff later, obviously. But basically, there's an energy crisis, and they solve it by finding rocks on the moon that they can use for clean energy. It's helium so, three or something yeah, like that. Sure, and for, then uh, for, for I love how the base is Korean. It's Hanong base. <laughs> it's a Korean <laughs> base. It's not like Japanese or anything. So or Chinese, and they're like, oh, Korean. Okay, I like that. Uh, but you know, they this company is basically undercutting everyone else by using clones. That's how they can make cheap fuel. And the ending is basically where the clones outsmart everyone. Uh, the original one, they have lifespans of three years. Every three years they die, they get incinerated, and a new clone gets waken up. And the, the one that was dying gets put on the crash site to fake his death, and then the new one goes on a shuttle and go, returns to Earth, and then they wake up another one to work on the moon base. And at the end, he kind of calls the attention that they're using clones, and there's a huge lawsuit on the stack goes down for the corporation it's implied that you know they're under fire they don't really dwell on it and the sad thing is like he had a wife and a child and because that footage was old the the dollar is already grown up and the wife has died but he can go see them but he's a clone so (laughs) there's all these questions like it's nothing's gonna be happy yeah, you're always, you, you know, you realize that the clone probably only has a few more years to live, yep. and it's it's kind of depressing, and, and yet a little bit triumphant, because they found, they kind of found their own free will there, right? They mm-hmm. made their own decision, decided yep. to, you know, go for, go for broke. As sad as it is, because Sam One dies at the end, the incident is spurred by the fact that he crashes his rover. And then they have the Gertie, Kevin Spacey's HAL-adjacent robot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wakes up another clone, and it ends up that Sam 1 is still alive. So they have the two Sams. And over the course of the film, he's literally just falling... Sam 1 is literally just falling apart. Yeah. 
and he's just like slowly and then rapidly in, in decline. And at the end of the film, he kind of sacrifices himself and uh, ends up dying. It's uh, it's so sad. It's so sad. Oh, yeah, the the part that got me was when he calls his home, and then his daughter picks up. And the only thing that he can say was, like, I want to go home. But he realizes that he can't. Yeah. And, yeah, that that hit me. That, this, uh, yeah, that was kind of rough there. Like, just thinking about that situation. It's a great performance there, too. Yeah. Like, that absolute helplessness. By the way, if his daughter is 15, that means that there's been... Mathematically, five Sams, right? Sure. Four to to five Sams. Which means that they've probably fell vastly short of their return on investment. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because they're probably planning for this this to go on like hundreds of years. Yeah, there's so many clones left. Yeah, Yeah. at one point they find the secret underground Sam clone bunker. And there were a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, there was so many. I think they had all the bays marked. I remember, because this is, I think, the second time I've seen it. Maybe the third time I've seen this film, actually. Wow, okay. And um, all the bays down there are marked. There's like They were in bay one when they climbed down. There's bay two, three, four. And if you look, bay one is the only one with missing supplies. Wow. Um, so they've, they haven't even gotten past the first bay of clones. <laughs> <laughs> so they've, they've really lost out. Uh, mm. and actually I paid attention to this cause I'm, I'm a stickler for these types of details on the wall. In addition, on the opposite wall from the clones, there's uh the little food boxes and some of them are missing. So they've been taking out food supplies from down there as well. Oh, but, interesting. Okay. But it's not that much food. <laughs> it's one wall, right? And you remember how big that wall is. This is maybe like 15 feet by 15 feet. Maybe and they resupply it? No, because they're missing. Oh, they're missing. Okay. Yeah, hmm. you can see the little, like, where they pull boxes out. And if you think about it, to feed one person for three years is a lot of food. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that is. It's quite a bit. And it's, it's a lot more than you're going to fit in even that, that entire wall. It's part of the logistical problem of having people in space. The ISS, for example, I think the longest continuous period that any human being has been in space is about a year, a little bit more than a year. A couple Mm. astronauts have done it. It is very, it's not great for the human body for many reasons, but part of the issue is that they have to do constant resupply. They have to constantly resupply them with food, perishables, fresh clothing, basically stuff like that. And all the garbage, they just jettison and uh, let it burn out, basically. Well, most of it, most of it, but it is significantly an issue because I don't remember the exact figure, but every kilogram of stuff you send up costs, I think like $1.2 million. Wow. Yeah. For every, every kilogram. So imagine how many, how many meals is in a kilogram? Maybe like two or or three, two or three meals. So you're paying like $300,000 per meal. (laughs) Everything you send up. Which is why you end up with stuff that has to be as space efficient and like mass efficient as possible, which is part of what makes this film plausible because you want to save money. And if every single gram of crap you send into space costs you a ton of money, 
So you don't want to waste any money like shuttling stuff back and forth. So it totally makes sense that they would dump a bunch of clones onto the moon and just have them be there forever. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you're not like sending them there and then sending somebody back. If anything, they should build an entire cloning facility and just keep pumping them out. It's the prequels in Star Wars. Yeah, it's the Clone Wars on the moon. <laughs> so I, I totally get that central premise. Once you once you really start nitpicking it, it doesn't make any sense because like, what are you going to do with all like the pictures and all the little stuff that gets stuck around the base? There's no way you can get rid of all of it. If you think you're the original person, why would some other guy have pictures of your wife? They just say you got into an accident. Yeah, I guess something like that. Amnesia. It's fine. Other than that, I think it's totally possible that that core idea of questioning corporate greed, should we create a clone and just have them not have human rights? Who cares? It'll make us more money. We'll save literally, we'll save like a hundred million dollars for every clone. Great. Do it. Sold. Yeah, and I like the, how they played with Gertie a little bit. The hal-adjacent Kevin Spacey robot. I thought that they did just, just enough with the character. Yeah. Because you're always going to assume the AI is bad, and they just kind of ride that line for just long enough to make you question it. Yeah. And then it turns out to be a good guy. And you're like, yeah, it turns out to be a really right. good guy. Like, oh, what a wow. nice... He actually cares about Sam, like, doesn't want to see him suffer, is willing to wipe his own memory and personality so that Sam can get away. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's amazing. I love how he's just, like, always building on him and he puts a little robot arm attachment on his shoulder <laughs> to comfort him i like the smiley like the yeah. emoji face <laughs> and i have his a kick me sticker or a sticky on his back i don't know how it's been there forever probably forever i don't think i've ever had a post-it note stick longer than you know 24 hours but exactly it's amazing nasa sticky notes you know that's different yeah <laughs> Uh, NASA has special stuff for just about anything, yep. except notably duct tape. As it turns out that they could not figure out a way to improve upon duct tape. Mm. So when they fly it up, it's literally just duct tape. It's duct tape. Nice. Yeah. Otherwise, they have specialized equipment for just about everything. Including specialized... Uh, actually, that's a myth. I'm sorry. I, I believe they use regular pens or m maybe pencils. But... Mm. um. There's this myth that NASA spent like $10 million researching a special pen to operate in zero-G, and then they realized they could use pencils. There is a specialized pen that was designed, and it was quite expensive, but it was designed voluntarily by the big corporation. And they, they just gave it to NASA as like mm. a promotional thing. NASA wasn't cool. like, please invent us a pen. <laughs> we waste lots of money for no reason. No, that's, that's not a thing. Uh, so a company did that on their own, and they gave it to NASA. Which happens a, a decent amount. I, I saw pens like that where, like, you can write upside down, you can write on a plane. Astronaut pens, wow. Yeah, astronaut pens, yeah. Pencils are, are, are a thing. NASA, as it turns out, the engineers and scientists at NASA are not stupid. Good old pencil can't beat it. The, oh, this scene, I forgot about this. He's, like, yeah, under the covers. A little bit of a suspense there. Yeah, a little bit of a suspense. Yeah. There's, there's lots of interesting layers and lots of bits of the performance that you pick up on the more you watch this film because again i've seen this i'm pretty sure it's three times now yeah three times and you pick up on little things here and there like 
at the beginning, Sam won when he's watching the uh, videos of his wife, the messages, the pre-recorded messages from his wife. She mentions the, you know, their their trial separation and how he had anger mm-hmm. issues, which is revealed when Sam Two comes in and he's they pops fight. in, <laughs> and, yeah, and they fight immediately because he's he does yeah. have anger issues because he's fresh out the freezer and he's still he hasn't had three years to chill out, but towards the end of the film they kind of meet in the middle. He's chilled out a little bit and they kind of reach this this great middle ground. You kind of watch this process happen through the movie. It's, it's it's really nice. It was nice, and like you see him grow as a character too. Where the Sam two that came out, the fresh one, volunteers for him to be put in. He volunteers himself to be put into the rover, so that Sam, the original Sam clone, can go back to Earth. Even though he's clearly not going to last long, he was willing to do that to give him a, like even a few more days on Earth and to go meet his daughter so like you can see the character grow yeah but it's natural though even though it happened over the span of a few days because of sam rockwell's performance it's it's believable the majority of the film takes place over the course of like i think a day and a half or something like yeah. that yeah the overall story arc takes a couple weeks because uh, when he gets knocked out he's kind of just he's kind of out there for like like a week, right? I think they yeah. mentioned it's like a week. He's just he's unconscious and, yeah. and and severely hurt in, in his rover for like a good week. Like, wow. <laughs> That's harsh. <laughs> That's rough. Which calls into the question, and they do mention this later, like, what if I have to shit? <laughs> <laughs> you still <do> uh, <laughs> I cracked up I cracked up yeah. so much there. They're just like the declarative way he says it is so funny though the only thing that stuck out to me as like oh this doesn't seem possible like you can go into the stuff you want to nitpick later or i mean after this i guess the part where he's crawling into the shuttle that they use to return the fuel in and he's just in there with like fuel tanks i guess to sell for money i don't know but like wouldn't it be really rough on re-entry mm-hmm. you would be totally dead yeah you wouldn't you be dead you would be dead in a multitude of ways. <laughs> you, I mean, you would have oxygen. I, I assume those were oxygen tanks. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, right. if you designed a re-entry vehicle for liquid, fuel. Hi- for fuel, for like uh, uh, helium-3, it would not have the same safety, like, safety for limits <laughs> as like a, a space shuttle for a human. Yeah. Humans can endure like 5g continuously maybe like 15g in spurts and up to i think the absolute limit the recorded limit is probably like 150g very very briefly okay i know like formula one cars when they have crashes record like 150 maybe 200gs briefly and that is cause for a serious concern now that is chump change when you're talking about re-entry vehicles like when the space shuttle would would come back to Earth, they'd engage in very extended S curve maneuvers and like slowing maneuvers to make sure that you're not gooifying all of the all of the people inside. And also, they would have extensive heat shielding, which I'm pretty sure a reentry vehicle that's just protecting like helium would not have. 
That that looked very small, by the way, and very thin. <laughs> it's super small, super thin, yeah. and and there's no crash couch. He's not he's not in like an enclosed. You know, yeah. He's not strapped into anything. He's gonna be bouncing around there. I mean, he made it back alive, so it's okay. Yeah. It's nitpick, you know, whatever. Yeah. It, it makes sense in the context of the movie. You're not really supposed to question it. Like the fact that they had a rescue crew on standby that was with within 24 hours. Where where are they where are they coming from with 24 hours? That's 24 hours isn't there's there's no nowhere there's 24 hours within the moon. It takes yeah. three days to get from Earth, and we're the closest celestial body. Aliens. Aliens, exactly. Exactly. That's the way it was written. Just take it like that. Don't take too long. That was the <laughs> only thing that it. I was wondering about, because I was like, that does not look safe. Yeah, you would definitely die. He would be, <laughs> like, just the launch procedure. Did you see how quickly that thing accelerated? He would be definitely human jello. <laughs> I'm okay with it, though, because the movie was, you know, so great. But, like, just that one moment was crawling in to, like, this little cramped space. Looks like it was made out of aluminum. And I'm just like, oh, I don't think he's going to make it back. <laughs> that looks questionable at best. Yeah, I thought it was going to get padded with, like, blankets or something, you know? Like, it's just, it just in there. I'm like, oh, God, all right. Yeah, I don't think any amount of blankets or any amount of cushioning is going to save you for that. I don't level. Know, just, like, <laughs> at least try. <laughs> it's okay. They didn't. They had five million dollars to work with. They're not going to build an entire space shuttle for him to fly back on. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I think we'll just assume there's like a procedure where it like slows down somehow, or like, you know, we'll we'll just give it a pass. The science part of the film is is a little bit shaky. That's that's not really what what the film's about. It's not about sitting in a room explaining technical schematics. It's about character and about questioning humanity and about greed and it's very classic sci-fi just look at the themes it's no martian it's poo potatoes you know no martian have we done the martian yet i don't think we have oh we could do that next yeah we can do the martian oh because the, they're very similar so we can compare and kind of contrast those movies i like the book a lot i read the book and there's so much more science for the poo potatoes Oh, like there's how so much there. science for the yeah, poop potatoes. Yeah, there's so much science. Oh, it was awesome. I think I can grow my own poop potatoes in space now, thanks to the book. Yeah. Uh, Andy Weir, when he wrote it, it was published on a um, chapter-by-chapter basis. On his blog, yeah. And he had people doing contributions, like actual botanists and engineers, that would correct his figures. Like, no, it takes this much water per, per cubic feet of soil, and potatoes would grow like this, and you need to do this. Uh, there's a little bit more to it than there was in the film. Like the fact that you need bacteria in addition to just water and dirt. You need a bacterial flora and he he did it by with using his poop. poo. Yeah. <laughs> like like live poo, not desiccated poo. <laughs> oh, oh. Man. It goes into great detail. It's wonderful. It does. It's awesome. Yeah. The Martian is very much about the science. And the book, at least. Yeah, the book, at least. Yeah. The film, a little bit less so. A little but, bit, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll give them credit. They they did their best. They did a good job of it. Certainly did. Even if their ship is the most exaggerated science ship of all time. We talked about how every bit of space, every kilogram counts, and there's like they have a gym the size of, like, this bigger than most houses. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that, is, that single gym is bigger than the entire ISS, I think. <laughs> 
It's like, okay, it's fine. It's cinematic. It looks cool. That's all you care yep. about. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, back to, back to Moon. I love the design of everything. I love how much they accomplished on such... Man, it's a, it's a very small budget. I didn't realize it was yeah. only $5 million. It looks... It does not look like a cheap film at all. It looks great. And aside from, like you said, a few... A few a crappy few props, yeah. crops here and there. It's it's alright, which is okay. You know, you gotta save some money. Yeah, you do. You do. It looked believable in like a outdated sci-fi like vision of what future tech would look like. In that regard. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, anything else you wanted to nitpick, or was that it? I mean, if I I could spend probably. You know, another hour nitpicking. Oh, okay, let's not. Let's really seriously. Let's not. Yeah, I guess closing thoughts then. I really like this film. It's in recent memory, it's one of the better, better sci-fi films I've seen. Which is to say, one of the few sci-fi films there have been because there's <laughs> yeah. really not that many. Unfortunately, it's a wonderful, straightforward, interesting character study. Don't go into this film expecting a lot of action. It's steadily paced, contemplative, and interesting. Just uh, just soak it in, you know, enjoy it, which I, I definitely do. I like this film very much. I think I give this film... Man, I think I give this film nine Suicide Squads. Wow, okay. Nine Suicide Squads. I'm, I'm, I'm a very much a fan. I don't think there's very much wrong with it at all, if anything. How about you, Sam? Yeah, uh, I like this film quite a bit too. I remember watching a trailer for it and I'm like, this looks very interesting. I want to watch it. And I totally forgot about it until you brought it up later. And it's it's a great film. It's about a person and trying to fit in in a world where it kind of doesn't value his humanity. And yeah, again, Sam Rockwell, he is amazing in this movie. Yeah. Like, he, he plays two people, but like you said, it's believable. It feels like there's actually two of them in the movie. And they even, like, the way he, like, holds himself, like you mentioned with his posture, too. Like, one is clearly more worn down with time and more chill, and the other's, like, more more angsty. And, oh, so many little details to his to his acting that is fantastic. And... It's, it really sells the film, and like like we said before, with the moments where you know, like he they realize that they're clones, and and what that means, like their short lifespan, the fact that they can't have the life that they remember, and like just the pure abject, like the the pure I don't know what we call it, like despair, I guess. Like there's no there's no happy happiness possible for them. The crushing realization that all your past is fake and you have no future, you know? Yes, oh, that you, the excellent way to put it. It's just, uh, it's all for the sake of profit. I mean, they could have avoided this. They could have done it without using clothes. But it's clearly it's much cheaper. Clearly much cheaper, but yeah. It's just, it's just cheaper. I mean, it's just cheaper, pro- yeah. I assume so. I, I don't know how much it costs to make a clone, hopefully. <laughs> You know? I mean, I'm guessing they're like the cheap clones because they only last three years. <laughs> yeah, just cheap out a little bit. Yeah, it's it not works. working. But yeah, uh, I really like Gertie too. I like how he's he's a nice AI and uh, 
you know, I think it got to him where he would incinerate the Sam clones and basically just vacuum the ashes out into space. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, there, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of acting, even to Gertie, where it's just, you know, little tidbits here and there. That just it's unfortunate add, that Kevin yeah. Spacey is a sleazeball. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. But it's okay. He's, he's, just, a, he's just a robot here. He's not there he's, in person. Yeah, you can he's just, a robot. You can he's not real. It. Kevin Spacey can't hurt you. He's not real. <laughs> but yeah. uh, I, I really like the film. Again, it's very slow. And there's just a hint of suspense in the beginning. So you might think like it's a horror film or whatnot, but then it turns into like this dark comedy when they're interacting with each other with that background of just utter despair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's actually quite funny. Uh, we, we didn't go over the comedy, but if you watch it, you, you can see it. He does a fantastic job. The timing, the tone of his voice. Yeah, there's, there's a little bit of physical humor, a lot of, yes. a lot of really dark jokes here and there. It's all yeah. situational. There's no, there's no cheap humor. There, there it isn't. That's why I like, you know, we just watched Birds of Prey too. Comparing this, the writing in this, to that, like I think they could have borrowed a little bit from like Moon, where it has funny moments, but like when the serious moments come, like it hits you because they know how to dull on it. It's not all jokes. Yeah. Anyways, I'm gonna give it a nine as well. I think it's very close to perfect. I think the only thing is that could have made it better was uh just a little, little bit more budget for the props, just just a teeny bit, and you know some of the stuff that you were nitpicking. If they could, you know, just portray that a little bit better in the movie, I think it would have been perfect. Yeah. Not for everyone, obviously, but I'm like nitpicking it. Yeah. I don't think they. I don't really know. If- it would have worked if you spend so much more time on like all the science independent. No, I'm just talking about like background fixes that you don't really notice. Like nothing, nothing changed to the structure of the film itself. Look, look, you see in the back room here, like the the the, the food boxes in the the quote unquote fridge area. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not that's enough food for like maybe a month. <laughs> unless unless it's like a Fifth Element where it's like a tiny package and you microwave it and it turns big. No, they show you the packets of food. Oh, it's, I'm so yeah, Like know. the little packets of beans, yeah, right? Yeah, I know. Also, like, they must, he doesn't eat a lot. Those packets are really small. Like, you could chug that bean packet in, like, one mouthful. Yeah, that's, it's, it's super not, not a lot of food. But who knows? Generally, when you send somebody into space, you do a very careful calculation of calories. Maybe these clones eat less. That's, just, that's entirely possible. I know that the food they send astronauts up with are generally very benign. They they select foods that are uh, fairly nutritious and very importantly don't cause gas. Because farting <laughs> in a completely enclosed environment is pure misery. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. When you have to just live in your fart for months at a time. Uh, people think being an astronaut is glamorous, but you're kind of you're kind of scumbagging it out. In the deep black of space. Space trucker. If you listen to interviews with astronauts, they they, they talk at length about how uh, towards the end of longer stints, you know, astronaut BO is definitely a thing. Oh, I would imagine. 
you get used to it, but like when they get picked up by ground crews, they're like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys smell funky fresh. <laughs> uh, and on that note, yeah, on that note, this was episode. 36 of the Pointy Hatcast. If you want to write us an email, the email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Once again, the email is pointyhatcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for dropping by and listening. We really do appreciate it. And catch you guys next time. Thanks for dropping by, guys. Stay pointy. Stay pointy. Anything else you want to add? Absolutely. Oh, there's Benedict Wong. There he is. There he is. For a glorious, like, couple of seconds. Yeah, for like a little, little insert that they probably filmed. Wonderful.